See, there is power of being in the moment. Thank you for that song. This has been a week of learning. <clears throat> it's not uncommon for your pastor in preparing for a message to have to learn it before they can speak it, or at least be aware of how much they lack in what they're about to speak about. And being in the moment has been a challenge this week. I have to admit that. Opportunities that I have been called into to be in the moment for people has not been easy. Just the beginning of the week, I'm starting to get ready, focused. I've got things to do. I don't know if you know this, but what I do in my office is really important, right? <laughs> and so when you get um, an interruption that somebody needed some help and wondered if they had a moment with me, I could have inside thought differently, but I came out and I did the thing I needed to do and I, I greeted them and they said, um, it was a couple, and they said, do you, do you have a few minutes? And I'm going to confess right now. I said, I don't know if I have a few minutes, but I have a few seconds. How can I be supportive? A little edgy, right? <clears throat> and so they began to share that they had a need. And um, I said, okay, uh, we can support you in that. And so I thought, okay, I'll do the things I had to do. Um, they needed some support. It took me an hour and a half to get it all put together. Sometimes being in the moment is challenging but then you begin to realize that God is more interested in what you're doing in the moment than what you might think is more important you're doing. Preparation, reflection, those are all a part of being human and important. It helps us be even at times more in the moment because we're aware of it. Even this week as I spent four hours in the two to three-year-old room in the carpenter shop, that was an in-the-moment experience. And it was a blessing. And I wouldn't have normally picked to do it but the opportunity and the need was there, and I'm so grateful that I learned from my own message of what it means to be in the moment for situations or people or circumstances. You know it. You know the challenges. You've had those times. We get so caught up in our own activity that we're not quite aware of what's going on around us, and we're not realizing that there might be something that God is calling us to be present for. I've had conversations, and sometimes you think, okay, um, I probably need to move on to the next conversation, but there are individuals who have this capacity to hold you with long stories repeated. None of them are sitting in this room. Let's just be clear to start. But <clears throat> that would, you know, and, and you're kind of showing little signs of there's another thing coming up. Those in the moments are really a challenge, so I don't want to say it lightly, but I think it's a beautiful gift that God has given us, and we have to be careful when we're living for the past or what's going to happen in the future. Last week, we, or two weeks ago, we started looking at a faith that works, F-A-I-T-H, right? Um, and F meant fun-loving, because we, we knew that fun-loving is kind of letting the joy of the Lord be our strength. It's an opportunity for us to feel more optimism, gives the ability to achieve more goals, research shows us and enhances our creativity, and our decision-making skills, and it predisposes people to be helpful to others. So F is for fun-loving. Thank you. Hang in there with me. And then we went on to look at um, a faith that works is also in the moment. And in James, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Be connected. Act it out. Live into it. So A is for action-oriented. And I just love, again, how being in a fun-loving and it's fun with loving, because we can be fun and then hurt people, right? But it's fun-loving 
culture and atmosphere because so often the church is seeing anything but fun and loving. But doing that leads to be helpful and that leads to be action-oriented, to reach out. So today we're taking the third letter, which is I, and I is for in the moment for Christ. So I is for... Thank you. And it's critical that for our faith to work so that we find ourselves reflecting in the moment in which God has given us. This is an important part of our journey. And I had not only in the moment for Christ, but just by the power of the Holy Spirit, an invitation to be connected. I mean, to live in the moment, it, it, it means being conscious and aware. It means mindfulness, right? Present with our senses and, and alert and connected. We can be in the moment and not be. You, you know those moments where someone is speaking to you about something very important, but your mind has gone somewhere else. And then in a little bit later, they are looking for a response. You go, oh, I should have been here. I, and so then you have to regain your composure. But in the moment, it's such a gift. I had a mentor for me, and whenever this guy would encourage me, and I always wonder, why do you encourage me? I, there's no way I deserve that. But he would look directly into my eyes. Do you know the people who look into your eyes? They're not to the side or up. They look into the window of your soul and say, Gary, God values you for who you are. It's the, the Mr. Rogers moment, right? In the moment, connected, relating to, it's the gift from God, and it's such a critical part of allowing our faith to actually work. Again, it doesn't mean that if we're in the moment, we're not planning or for the future or reflecting on the past, but those are moments that we spend there so that we can come back and be fully present in the moments we have. And there's a difference between in the moment and being caught in the moment. Uh, for those of you who share the joy of being a parent of a child who's in a club sport, know what I'm talking about, getting caught in the moment. I said things to the ref, God forgive me, right? Or that kid was too rough. Or, you know, you just get caught up in it. But when you take a breath and step back and go, oh yeah, this is, this is what my kid can have some fun. I forgot that. Not to compete, not to be the best in the world. And it's a challenge for us. So getting caught up in the moment is different than just seizing the moment of an opportunity. And that leads us to our scriptures for today. From the Psalm 118, uh, this common verse, and we sing this song, it says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is what we have. This is the opportunity that we can seize the moment and live faithfully into what God's calling us to do and to be. It's so easy for us to find reasons not to be celebrative in the moment. And it's not to say we don't cry and weep and hurt and, and feel anger or frustration. That's a part of being human. But somehow underlying all that is how can I be here in the moment to recognize this life is still a gift? How am I going to respond to the crisis or trauma I'm in that not only honors God but blesses the people around me or blesses even my own soul and my, I, my own spirit in the need for that. Then we go to Isaiah 43. Do not remember the former things, former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing, God says. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? It will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
This powerful text just reminds us. Now remember, this is to a people who live in a very desert area. So when you talk about water springing forth, it's not like you live in Whitefish Bay. It's a little different here. So you long for the water. You survive by it. And fresh water is critical for you to live. And so you could just see the nature of what Isaiah is trying to say to the people, that God is bringing forth something, something new. And even though we find ourselves in the challenges and the trauma of a desert, God is offering something new to us. Can we be in the moment to perceive, to be aware, to be open to? I think this is a great opportunity for us when we come into worship. Are we going to perceive anything God might be springing forth into our lives or into our community? I mean, there's a whole sermon series probably on worship. But my thought is how important it is to prepare for it. Because um, worship really, there is a chancel, but the worship doesn't happen up here that you're observing. It happens in here or even online. There are opportunities for us to be present that we honor God in our worship and we come prepared, we're celebrative or we're mournful, but we come expecting God in the moment that God might be present. What might God spring forth in our lives today? Are we willing to be in the moment to receive and perceive it like rivers in a desert? We serve a God of the moment. What is new? Are we open to the things that God might be trying to do? Moments can get lost where God is seeking to express love or to challenge us to move in faithful ways. Then did the, the text from Colossians, Paul's letter to the church there. Just before this reading in verse 15, uh, Paul is encouraging the people to enter this beloved community, this new way of being that shares compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and bearing one another. The whole section leads up uh, to what we have in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever moment you find you're in, all of a sudden, there isn't sacred and secular in our lives. It's all sacred. It's all meaningful. It's all important. Even on a soccer field, these are opportunities for us to honor God in the way we worship God through our actions, decisions, and the way we relate to others. You can see that Paul's writing that we might allow this sensitivity to encompass all of life, this community life, this worship life, everything, every moment. It comes together. We celebrate how we can focus weekly, corporately to worship. And we celebrate opportunities people have online to engage in that as well. But our goal is to see how that worship begins to bleed into every aspect of our lives, that wherever we are, whatever we do, those moments are for the sacred to be a part of it. And this is a huge challenge for the church. 
in a culture where it spends so much time and energy and space and focus on so many things is just pulling us in so many different directions. I asked the question of the breakfast morning men about uh, how their grandchildren are connecting or their children. And, and uh, it was interesting to hear one say, I asked my children and, and they said, you know, Dad, my life's too busy. I, Sunday's my only opportunity to just take a breath. And, and what can you say that? But yeah, you need time. You need to balance your life because if you're just living in this focus and energy of moving forward and running to the next thing and you lose the opportunity to be in the moment, there's more to life than kicking the ball into the upper 90, right? There's a sense of connecting. And my hope is that they'll find ways. And maybe the church has to find ways to allow people to engage in that spiritual truth in their lives. We can't be too busy to pray or too busy to connect with God, too busy to relate to people around us. And what message can the church give other than guilt to motivate them to find that peace? In the moment, for Christ, is the power in which we can live into I think Jesus understood this so clearly and he was challenging disciples that, uh, that they can't miss points of opportunity to be present for people, those who are looking for healing and hope and, and promise and, and not to complain that people were spending too much time around Jesus. And, but even Jesus took time to get away into secluded places to renew his relationship to his heavenly father. He expressed the importance even through parables of being in the moment. And, and one we might consider is Matthew 13, the, the sower of the seeds, right? And some seed fell on the path, but there was no opportunity for that soil, that receiving the seed, of course, is the, the very word and presence of God. But our lives, is we're just getting matted down so hard and stepped on so hard with all the expectations. Nothing takes time to settle in, and there's no root. And so the birds just come along and eat it. Then there's the stuff thrown around the rocky soil. And, and again, we can't allow ourselves... Uh, to prepare for that. We're not in the moment for God, and it doesn't take long for uh, trauma or frustration or anger or doubt to, you know, like the sun scolding those seeds that can't take root, and then they pass away as well, and it's lost. Or when seed falls among the, the thorns, and here's an opportunity for we can be among all the things that life's demanding from us, and it's just choking us out, and again, the seed doesn't have an opportunity to form and deepen and connect with us. Those are in-the-moment opportunities that Christ is calling us to be. A faith that works allows, like the last soil, our hearts are prepared. Lord, help me be here in the moment for worship or biblical reflection or in this conversation with somebody I love and care for or this stranger. Be in this moment and may your word just speak truth and guide me that the seed can take root and bear fruit and we can become relationally stronger and connected to others, to God, to ourselves. The word takes root. Faith that works is in the moment, creating meaning, creating sacred opportunities. It reminds me of a fortune cookie, and whenever I open up fortune cookies, I say, okay, what's the word from the Holy Spirit today? And this is what I read. It takes more than good memory to have good memories. It takes more than, a, than good memory to have good memories. Building good memories means that we spent time in the moment to be present, to celebrate. And a person who kind of 
realizes that and expresses it. And, and I ask again, who are individuals that we think that can really live in the moment and, and celebrate that? And uh, it wasn't, didn't take much for, uh, for Mary Lynn to be expressed. And here's one who just seems to know how to live in the moment. And so I've invited Mary Lynn to come and share just a little bit if she can get from behind the bells there somehow, an expression. And just the joy, um, here's someone who is definitely fun-loving, could speak on that as well. Um, but I'm grateful for Mary Lynn to share a little bit about being in the moment for Christ in her life. Am I on? Forgive me in advance, I am <laughs> I never thought I'd live to be 75 years old. Three quarters of a century. So many in my family died young. Terrible things happened to people in my family. We had a rape for 18-year-old niece. We had two murder trials for my 23- and 27-year-old nephews a veteran's suicide at 39. My sister died at 28 with her 18-month-old baby playing in her hospital bed. I've already lived 10 years longer than my sweet husband did. If I dwelled in my past, sometimes I couldn't get up in the morning. So instead, every morning when I wake up, I say, Lord, let me see the opportunities you give to me today. Help me to say yes. Like when Pastor Gary asked me to speak to the congregation. <laughs> so whether it's to smile at a stranger I meet in the street, or to converse and really see the waitress that's helping me that works so hard, or to take someone to their chemo treatment, or to play the flute for our friend's funeral. To make just one person's life just a little bit better in that moment on that day. I try to say yes to the opportunity. And to keep my faith by doing these things in a fun, loving, joyful way. There's a picture, yeah. In the springtime, I had an opportunity to jump out of a plane. I said yes. And when I cartwheeled out of that plane at 13,000 feet, free fall, 200 miles an hour, the world stood still for just that moment. But I was never afraid. I never felt so close to God as I did in that very moment. God has a plan for me. I can't dwell on the past. The past is past. And I can't worry about the future. Whatever God's plan is for me, I'll meet it head on. I'll face my fears and thank God for the blessing of living in the moment for Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary Lynn. What a witness. What a challenge, what an opportunity, what an honest reflection. 
of what it means to find ways to live in the moment. It was interesting just looking at some of the research that flows around this whole idea. We find that there's a lot about the importance of health related to being in the moment. And again, once it allows us to be far healthier just because we can be present and not so anxious about the past or the future, but being present. And there's ways to do that and, and mindfulness or just focusing in our breathing. We've talked about it many times and how breathing is related to even our, our um, internal organs and how important it is to be mindful in our breathing at times. Maybe you can find ways to be in the moment just by trying some meditative practices or yoga or, or connections with God. Maybe it means giving up some things like social media, which doesn't always help us to live in the moment. Stay connected to your own body. What are you eating and feeling and, and, and what are the things you do to keep yourself healthier? What are the ways you show compassion for yourself? Which is a really important exercise to do. Some people find keeping a gratitude journal is helpful for them to do that and just expressing the appreciations. I mean, you can just tell listening to Mary Lynn the power of just taking the moments to express the joy that can still be there even with a history that's been so challenging. It's balancing the past, the present, and the future, but being able to be mindful in the moments. It's training your brain to be present. And by practicing mindfulness, you can become more aware, and eventually it becomes second nature for you to be that way. Research says you begin to experience everything in the present rather than being fixed on the past or the future. So may we pause enough today to be present in the gift that God gives us. May we be aware of those around us and the opportunities we have. May we take time to be mindful, to meditate, to journal, show gratitude, to pause in our life enough and take in retreats or the Sabbath. They're essential to our renewal because we want a faith that works. And a faith that works means F is fun-loving. A, I, powered by the Holy Spirit. Next week, it's, we're going to look at thankful spirit with T and H is hospitable to others. May we be encouraged to take the time, to be aware, to honor God in the way we live. Let us pray. Holy God, thank you for the opportunity for us to be in the moment and for some of this, this is a real challenge. It's hard to be vulnerable enough to be connected with people or situations. But we pray by your presence and the power of the Spirit, our faith might work in ways that we can be in the moment for you and those around us, that we might live with abundancy. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Another opportunity to learn from someone and to kind of give us a little bit of a discipleship moment. I'm going to invite Sandy to come forward. And uh, we're trying to identify ways in which we can be mindful in the moment for the crisis that we're dealing with in Israel and Hamas. So um, I'm grateful for Sandy to come forward and, and uh, to give us a word, help us be focused and uh, honor God in which we approach a very challenging situation um, in our world. So Sandy, it's great to have you here this morning and thank you for taking the time to be with us. Can you hear me? <laughs> I'm a, a lawyer by trade, and I used to 
when I did a lot of litigation, the first thing I had to learn was to talk slowly. The court reporter could not take down my New York speed. Anyway, I'm here to talk about the Middle East, but a little bit also about my faith journey and Judaism. Uh, I urge you, if you're interested in me, I actually had a mystical moment with Jesus. And you can look it up. It's under my name, Sandy Swartzberg. Spell it with an SW, and you'll find it. Testimony. And it happened not too far from this church. So who am I? I am Sandy Swartzberg. I am first a citizen of planet Earth, an American, and I also want to emphasize raised by the greatest generation with their values always at forefront. I'm ethnically Jewish with a strong overlay of Jewish values, but I consider myself a follower of Jesus Christ and his attempt to get us to the kingdom of heaven, which I think we should never give up. When I was a child, I loved sitting next to my grandfather at the Passover service. And the particular Haggadah, that's the Passover prayer book we had, was written in the 1930s. And it was written that the whole experience of the Jews being in slavery in Egypt was really just a metaphor. And that the metaphor was for the slavery that can take many forms and that one could be enslaved in many ways. You can be enslaved to money, you can be enslaved to sexual addiction, you can be enslaved to all sorts of things, you could be not paid for what you're worth. So the concept of slavery in the Jewish tradition in the Haggadah, and then every time there was a prayer, and some of you know next year in Jerusalem, but you don't know that it was really next year we will do better and our fellow man will be less enslaved. And it was an outward focus. It was not an inward focus on Judaism or Jewish people. And so my wife, Karen, who's not here to criticize, but will be here at the next service, <laughs> found a prayer which she rewrote. And this prayer expresses the values that were so prominently taught in my childhood. And it's called a prayer for justice. Grant us, Lord God, the vision of your world as you would have it, a world where the innocent is protected and none are hungry or poor, a world where the riches of your creation are shared. Every human being has a seat at the table, a world where different religions, cultures, and races live in harmony and mutual respect and peace a world where peace is built with justice and justice is guided by compassion and empathy and love. And I ask that we give us the inspiration to follow these values and to build it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Eli Wiesel gave a Nobel Prize lecture and the first words were, just as a man cannot live without dreams, he cannot live without hope. We have to hope that something good can from these events in the Middle East. Therefore, I put some specific thoughts and prayers for the Middle East. First, we ask the need to pray for reconciliation of all the people of the Middle East. So I ask you, Jesus, in your name, to bring peace and reconciliation to the Middle East and help all the people of the Middle East, Israel, Arab, Christian, and Palestinian, 
to understand their common humanity and work on ways to engage their best sides. As a child, my grandfather talked often about tiki alam, which is to do the work of God as your hands every day. And he tried to demonstrate it. And we need more tiki alam in this world. We also need to remember that all this evil starts with hate. And there are no simple solutions or slogans. We can't just blithely take a side and say that side is right and the other side is wrong. Anti-Semitism, which drove the creation of the state of Israel, is one crucial example of how hate corrodes everyone and leads to greater evil. I don't know if many people know this, but the Jews in the 1800s really tried to assimilate into the countries they were in. And in the 1870s and 1880s, they were met with a wave of anti-Semitism, which culminated in the Dreyfus Affair. And there were a lot of Jews, including Theodor Herzl, who had a great education and great knowledge, and they were reluctantly decided that there was no future for them in Europe and that they needed, the Jews needed their own homeland. It was not a decision that they made out of happiness. It was a decision that they made out of sadness. And because they were very clearly told First, they were told when they were in the ghettos, which is an Italian word for where the Romans used to lock up the Jews, including the Pope, and that they were dirty, filthy, and scum. And, and then when they came out and they succeeded in the world and became the Warburgs, the Rothschilds, the Einsteins, those people, they were told that they were above their station and, and they were, and somehow we were also running the world. And if that is true, we were doing a really poor job. Um, so my grandfather always said that you can dislike people, but we need not to hate the person. The same is true for the hatred of the Palestinians or the Arabs or Islam or any other group. We can dislike what they do. My grandfather was raised by a mother that was incredible, Shimka, and who over the time brought about 18 children from Belarus to the United States. So he was a very strong feminist. And he would not like what the Arabs do to their women, or most of the Arabs do to their women. But he would also say, we cannot hate them. We need to show them compassion and love. It's tempting to hate the person in politics, religion, in everyday life. But we must not give in to that temptation. Jesus invites us to a better way. He invites us to attempt to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I've read the Gospels backwards and forwards in several different versions. And the kingdom of heaven, in my opinion, is a new way of thinking and feeling and being. And that is available to us today. Not maybe perfectly, because we're not perfect people. But we can do more to live in that kingdom. Therefore, I'm going to give the following prayer. And at the end, I ask you to say amen. God of mercy and compassion, of grace and reconciliation, pour your power upon all your children in the world, and especially the Middle East, with your grace and power upon the Jews, Muslims, Christians, Palestinians, and Israel. Let hatred be turned into love, fear to trust, despair to hope, oppression to freedom, anti-Semitism to love, despair to hope, and occupation to true peace. 
Let violent encounters be replaced by loving embraces and peace and justice be experienced by us all. God of our fathers and mothers, that's in the reform hair book, no more God of our fathers. God of our fathers and mothers, I pray that in your holy name, whether you are called Yahweh, Jesus, or Allah, and Jesus, we know that you listen to all prayers, no matter what name you are called. So please hear our prayer, and let our prayer join a tidal wave of prayer for peace and love, which becomes unstoppable. We ask this in Jesus' name, and we all say, Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Appreciate that. What a gift to us. Now we come to a time in our service to respond um, by giving of our tithes and our offerings proportional to our income that God could be honored and people blessed and we might know the beauty and the joy of generosity. So guide us now as the ushers wait upon us. <laughs> 